Wanton, courage with moderation. Sin has done a pretty complete job of ruining us, and the process of restoration is long and slow. The works of grace in an individual life may never be so clear and definite, but it is indeed the labor of a God to bring the once fallen heart back into the divine likeness again. In nothing is this seen more plainly than in the great difficulty we experience in achieving spiritual symmetry in our lives. The inability of even the most devout souls to show forth the Christian virtues in equal proportion and without admixture of unchristian-like qualities has been a source of heartache to many of God's believing people. The virtues before us, courage and moderation, when held in correct proportion, make for a well-balanced life and one of great usefulness in the kingdom of God. Where one is missing or present, only in minute degree, the result is a life out of balance and powers wasted. Almost any sincere writing, if examined closely, will be found to be autobiographic. We know best what we have ourselves experienced. This article is not an exception. I may as well admit frankly that it is autobiographic, for the discerning reader will discover the truth no matter how hard I may try to conceal it. Briefly, I have seldom been called a coward even by my most cordial enemies, but my want of moderation has sometimes caused grief to my dear friends. An extreme disposition is not easy to tame, and the temptation to bring severe immoderate methods to the aid of the Lord is one not easily resisted. The temptation is further strengthened by the knowledge that it is next to impossible to pin a preacher down and make him eat his words. There is a ministerial immunity accorded a man of God, which may lead bonaggers into extravagant and irresponsible language unless he uses heroic measures to bring his nature under the sway of the spirit of love. This I have sometimes failed to do, and always to my own real sorrow. Here again, the contrast between the ways of God and the ways of man is seen. Apart from such wisdom as painful experience may give, we are prone to try to secure our ends by direct attack, to rush the field and win by assault. That was Samson's way, and it worked well, except for one minor oversight. It slew the victor along with the vanquished. There is a wisdom in the flank attack, but a wisdom which the rash spirit is likely to reject. Of Christ it was said, He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment into victory. He achieved his tremendous purposes without undue physical exertion and altogether without violence. His whole life was marked by moderation. Yet he was of all men the most utterly courageous. He could send back word to Herod who had threatened him. Go ye and tell that fox, behold, I cast out devils, and I do cure today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. There was consummate courage here, and no defiance, no sign of contempt, no extravagance of word or act. He had courage with moderation. The failure to achieve balance between these virtues has caused much evil in the church through the years, and injury is all the greater when church leaders are involved. Lack of courage is a grave fault, and may be a real sin when it leads to compromise in doctrine or practice, to sit back for the sake of peace, and allow the enemy to carry off sacred vessels from the temple, is never the part of a true man of God. Moderation to the point of surrender, where holy things are concerned, is certainly not a virtue, but pugnacity never won when the battle is a heavenly one. The fury of men never furthered the glory of God. There is a right way to do things, and it is never the violent way. The Greeks had a famous saying, Moderation is best. 
And the homely proverb of the American farmer, easy does it, has in it a wealth of profound philosophy. God has used and undoubtedly will use yet men in spite of their failure to hold these qualities in proper balance. Elijah was a man of courage. No one could doubt that. But neither would anyone be so rash as to claim that he was a man of patience or moderation. He carried the day by assault by challenge and was not above satire or abuse when he thought it could help things. But when the enemy was confounded, he went into a tailspin and sank into the depths of despair. That is the way of the extreme nature of the man of courage without moderation. Eli, on the other hand, was a man of moderation. He could not say no even to his own family. He lived a weak peace, and stark tragedy was the price he paid for his cowardice. Both these men were good men, but they could not find the happy mean. Of the two, the fiery Elijah was certainly the greater man. It's painful to ask what Eli could have done in Elijah's circumstances, and I would pity even Hophni and Phinehas if Elijah had been their father. This leads us logically to think of Paul the Apostle. Here is a man who we need never take at discount. He seems to have almost perfect courage along with a patient disposition and a forbearance truly godlike. What he might have been apart from grace is seen in the brief description given of him before his conversion. After he had helped to stone Stephen to death, he went out Christian hunting, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Even after his conversion, he was capable of summary judgments when he felt strongly on a question. His curt rejection of Mark after he had gone back from the work was an example of his short way of dealing with men in whom he had lost confidence. But time and suffering and increasing intimacy with the patient Savior seems to have cured this fault in the man of God. His later days were sweet with love and fragrant with forbearance and charity. So should it be with all of us. It is a significant thing that the Bible gives no record of a coward ever being cured of his malady. No timid soul ever grew into a man of courage. Peter is sometimes cited as an exception, but there is nothing in his record that would mark him as a timid man, either before or after Pentecost. He did touch the borderline once or twice, it is true, but for the most part, he was a man of such explosive courage that he was forever in trouble by his boldness. How desperately the church at this moment needs a man of courage is too well known to need repetition. Fear broods over the church like some ancient curse. Fear for a living, fear for our jobs, fear of losing popularity, fear of each other. These are the ghosts that haunt the men who stand today in the places of church leadership. Many of them, however, win a reputation for courage by repeating safe and expected things with comical daring. Yet, self-conscious courage is not the cure. To cultivate the habit of calling a spade a spade may merely result in our making a nuisance of ourselves and doing a lot of damage in the process. The ideal seems to be a quiet courage that is not aware of its own presence. It draws strength each moment from the indwelling spirit and is hardly aware of self at all. Such a courage will be patient, also, and well-balanced and safe from the extremes. May God send a baptism of such courage upon us.